All right. Well, listen, we're back for another great episode, and I'm super excited to have Kurt Mercadante on the show. Uh, Kurt, welcome. I want you all to know this is like kind of like a treat for me because Kurt's like super podcaster, does all this really cool stuff. And I think we're really, really like-minded. We're going to peel that back today. But Kurt is somebody truly living the big ticket life, as I like to call it. You know, he's walked away from a very successful seven-figure business to go all in on himself and his beliefs that freedom is so very fundamental to our happiness and existence. He's traveled the country with his family, and he's the creator of the Freedom Media Network, which focuses on freedom in business, health, spirituality, and most importantly, thought. Kurt, welcome to the show. Jeff, it is my honor, pleasure to be here with... Uh, it's not often that I get on with a, a fellow Italian whose name is harder to spell than mine. And <laughs> that probably explains why you're one of the few who spelled it right on screen and pronounced it right before we That's got right. on the show. So <laughs> thank right. you, Jeff. Yeah. It's like one of those things, like there's a, a moment from Seinfeld where George prides himself on being able to say and spell people's names. So I've been doing that since like six because... <laughs> I have Janakovo, and I, my joke is at the end of my times, I'll be wishing for a few more days where I wasn't spelling and explaining the name. But anyway, such yes, as it is. Absolutely. Coaches used to love it. Uh, not when I was doing well, but when you could tell that I was doing badly, because every they, they would call everyone else by their first name, but me, you would hear, Mercadante, run a lap. Mercadante, get over here. And, and it was like a parent who, you know, they only call you yeah. by your middle name when you're in trouble. So that was my yeah. last name with the coaches growing up. <laughs> well, they couldn't do that to me because they couldn't say it. So it was just Jeff G. There you go. Jeff G. There you go. And that and I was, and that was Big Jeff. You know, uh, for a little while. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> so let, let's kind of jump right in. So I said uh, in our pre-show, I always like to get to know my guests. Listen to a bunch of time. Had a had a road trip. Listened to some of your podcasts uh, last week, um, just to kind of fine tune. Uh, for the episode. And the one thing I didn't hear, so you built this agency, successful agency, and you left it. So what's that about? Yeah, I think it, it goes back to that word successful and, and, and what the definition of it, that is to each of us. And, you know, I grew up, my dad grew up in the Great Depression. And so I prided myself on being tough and overcoming struggle. The problem was I probably had a belief that I had to seek out struggle. And um, mm. so I built a seven-figure agency and almost killed myself doing it. You know, I wasn't mentally, physically present with my family. I was anxious. I was grumpy all the time. I was 60, well, at this point, probably 85 pounds heavier uh, than I am right now. I was on a cocktail of prescription drugs. I would have anxiety attacks so bad that I'd have to tell my wife to get the kids out of the house. So yeah, I was successful by the definition that what I call the hustling grind pornographers would have you believe is successful. Right. But, you know, that goes back to freedom and, and what freedom means to you. And a lot of people, gosh, if you go on LinkedIn, you'd think it just has to do with recurring revenue and money. And I'm here to tell you, and I've coached and spoken to thousands of people over the past four years that they chase that, they get that. And then they're like, well, now what? I caught the fulfillment. And now what do I do? I, I, it's like the dog catches the car and it's like, now what do I do today? If you're yeah. miserable without money, there's a good chance you're going to be miserable with money. It's like the Captain America. I got Marvel superheroes. You got the Incredible Hulk there. It's like the Super That's Serum. Right. Money's like the That's Super right. Serum. You know, the Red Skull was a jerk and was evil. It made him more evil. Steve Rogers was an awesome guy. It made him more awesome. Money is like that. It's not good. It's not bad. It's a tool. 
And so that freedom, that success is internal to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you touched on, uh, you said part of your growing up was you believed you sought out struggle. Yeah. I came to the realization a year or so ago that a large, well, a long part of my life I've lived in chaos and without chaos, I feel very uncomfortable. Right. Um, and once I realized that I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That's what this is all about. That's why I get some tweaked out on these issues. And, and this reason bothers me. Uh, but I love what you said. You kind of almost create this life where you can't operate without chaos, without struggle. Um, like that was, that was a big drop right there less than eight minutes in. And I've got like a two minute intro. So it's probably less than five minutes. Um, you know, so, so you leave this agency. What do you say to your family? What do you, I mean? Yeah. What was the next step after that? Well, well, you know, us guys, right. We think, uh, and you're raised in the, in a way, not everyone, but a lot of people are raised, uh, kind of, Hey, be John Wayne. Don't let, don't show your cards. Just suck it up. You know, no one cares about your feelings, all those types of things. So we put it in deep. So I thought for like eight or nine years that I had been hiding it. Oh, oh, so well. Even though anxiety attacks, get the kids out of the house, all this stuff. And I woke up on a Tuesday morning. It was supposed to be my week off. It was a little over four and a half years ago. It was Thanksgiving week. And I was supposed to have the week off, but that didn't stop. Um, And I used to tell it like that didn't stop them from pulling me into conference calls and emails and things. But really, it's my own fault. I'm not a victim. I chose to do it. And I woke up on that Tuesday morning and I was supposed to fly to this god awful planning session in DC. They had the, I had a client had these eight hour marathon useless planning sessions. And I woke up and I said to myself, if I, if my plane goes down to or from that session next Tuesday, am, am, am I happy like right now in the present? And that present is so important. The present it was where freedom is. And all the hustle and grind pornographers and the get get up and go and motivation have you anxious about the future. And then you got the talk therapists who have you marinate in the BS of the past. And where they both missed a mark is right now. Jeff, you and I could be dead in an hour. Like literally. And that shouldn't be like macabre and a downer. It should be the most empowering thought you have. And so on that Tuesday morning, I said, if my plane goes down, I said, no, this isn't how I want it. I woke up, I went to my wife and I said, honey, I'm done. I'm firing all my clients. And then I ducked, got ready for her to throw something at me. But she looked at me and she said, it's about time. It is about time. Uh, And I went and I fired all my clients. The next year, by the way, and people are like, but you had that seven-figure agency. Oh, so it's easy for you because you had all that money saved up. I wish I could say I did, except as many people do, my lifestyle rose to the level of my income. I brought us down at one point $250 in our bank account. That's extremely humbling. And at that point, you can cry or you can say, well, no, there's a new starting line right now. And you start building it up. I made six figures, kept growing from there. And I'm not a, I'm not a nuclear engineer, but I know how to build businesses. And, and when you get down to $250, you know, you got Rocky behind you. And I remember thinking, I, you know, I was obsessed with Rocky growing up. And it, it, it's like where he, he kind of lost the eye of the tiger. And he almost had to go back to first principles to do it. And I actually got excited. But again, I got to be careful that that belief I don't self-sabotage thinking I got to I gotta get to rock bottom and build up. That can be a, a self-sabotaging belief as well. But when you get to that point, it's like, no, I got nowhere to go but up. Right. And 
That's why someone with a poverty consciousness, you give them a million dollars, they lose it. Someone with a yep. prosperity consciousness, you take away a million dollars, they'll make it back. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's why you hear it's so common. You actually hear people who've made and lost tens of millions of dollars. Um, you know, they've, they've made big money, they've lost it, they've made it again. And, you know, we're not going to get into all the reasons why people lose it because I don't think that's, right. I don't think that's the best use of our time together. I've got some other stuff I want to ask you, but, um, yeah. but you, you touched on money being a tool and that's, that's what it is. Um, you know, before we may circle back to that, I want to go, go back to something you said about, and again, not to be dark, but yeah, I mean, if there's a natural gas explosion and I'm, I'm standing in the third level of our house now, the whole house falls down and I die. What's left? What do my children say about me? I'm reminded, I shared in the pre-show, uh, I saw my grandmother and she's battling Alzheimer's and it's, yeah, well, she's losing. I mean, it's, it's just where it's at. But the lesson I had uh, spending time with her, I see somebody that in the, every fiber of the, her being is this need to be given. And all she wants to do right now is make sure you eat and eat with her. Mm. And she wants to break bread with you and sit down and have a conversation. And while I only got 10 seconds of a glimmer with her where she remembered me in two days that I saw her, uh, that was a memory that I had from childhood. And to me, that's so important. Like, what, what do we really leave behind? For those we love, for, the, for our friends, our family, our community, what's that shift from that success to significant impact? You know, that's the road I'm on right now. Um, yeah, shifting, trying to shift everything I do from success to significance, so it has lasting, lasting impact. Yeah, and I think the the key is determining is significance come from your ego or is it from something more real. Uh, you know, is it from an identity that you think you should be, or right. is it is it actually real? And uh, Richard Rudd, who's an author, kind of a philosopher, wrote a book called The Gene Keys as a whole program. He describes prosperity with one word: simplicity. Simplicity. And you know what I had done was I made a lot of money, and then I overcomplicated my life. I wasn't prosperous. Seven figures, eight figures, ten figures doesn't make you prosperous. Simplicity. Yep is there's stories of farmers who go and they're absolutely prosperous. Their bank account is much more empty than yours or, or, or whoever else's, but they're prosperous because they're happy. They, mm -hmm. Things aren't complicated. They don't, they don't have to attach their happiness to the whims of, of politicians and society or what's going on in the markets. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. This isn't a judgment. It's just defining what you really want and truly want and in my coaching group, I have a coaching group called the Freedom Circle. Last week, I sent out an email to everyone and they're like, oh my gosh. I said, now, here, here's, a, here's a, a hypothetical. You're in the city with your spouse. If you're a guy, right? You're, you're in the city with your wife and you turn down a dark alley and all of a sudden a mugger comes out and says, your money, give me all your money or give me your wife. What would you say? And oh, of course, Kurt, of course I'd give the money instead of my wife. I said, okay, great. Then why don't you do that anywhere else in your life? Like, what do you mean? Mm. There was a guy who called me several years ago and he told me that his marriage was suffering. He was suffering as a father. 
He made a lot of money. He was a high-powered exec. He was a vice president, but he would come home angry. He'd come home late. He would snap at everyone. He even told me his sex life suffered. All these problems. And I said, okay, to get to a, a, a point of freedom, what do you need? I didn't ask anything about money. And he said, I need to make $300,000 a year. It was $250,000 a year, whatever. I said, okay, great. How much do you want for your wife? And he was taken aback. He said, what are you talking about? I said, no, how much do you want for your wife? That's preposterous. It's priceless. I said, no, no, you just told me that the price for your wife is $250,000. He said, no, I didn't. I said, in order to get to a place where you have a better sex life, where you don't come home, snap at your wife, where, you, where you're friendly, where you restore your relationships, it takes money. And he's like, oh my gosh. Now, was I direct? Yes. But that's what we do every single day, right? I know people yep. very close to me who completely destroyed the relationship with their kids because they had a goal of putting a million dollars in the bank for each of their kids. Now, in his mind, yeah, I'm trying to help. But in the, in the process, we sell our present down the river for this fictitious future that may never come. And right. even when we get to 65 and retire, I mean, just in my life, family, uh, heart attack, knee replacement, stroke, cancer. So you get to 64 to 67 and that life you waited for, it's like, well, I spent my life waiting instead of living. Now what do you got? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... I've got nothing to add to that because it's all spot on. I mean, I hope people really listen to this and take that in. I mean, that, that, you know, that example of your coaching member, I mean, really it wasn't 300 grand or 250, whatever number it was. It was the difference. It was the Delta between what he was making. And now and I, to me, it might've been, it sounded like it was 50 grand, right? Like I'm at a quarter million, but I need to be at three, 300,000. So just 50 grand will repair everything. Well, you can like, that's so easy to go make. The harder right. work is doing the greatest thing you should be doing. And that's the relationships and your own freedom. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, yeah, we're, we're in, in our family, we're at this interesting moment in time where we're graduating out of high school, our oldest boy. And, you know, he's not a book kid um, at all uh, to the point where he doesn't even he doesn't even feel he'll really enjoy trade school. Like he's very hands-on. So he's in construction. That was his career center curriculum. Uh, tomorrow, or no, actually today, this afternoon, he actually is going to go explore the electrical workers union at the career fair at school, um, which is fantastic because I mean, look at where our society's going, all electric. So going to need wires for that stuff. So, uh, right, right. So, so that's all good, but it's, it's really neat to kind of see how our family's working to put Ethan in this position of success and how we're doing it together. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I just remind everybody, like if family's not the greatest thing you're working on, reread rule one, right? Like to me, that's rule one. Rule two, reread number one. That's what I would say. Yeah. And, 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 and one thing that you're doing is going against the grain of what society says, which is an electrician. No, you got to go to college and you got to get the oh degree and you got to be a lawyer. <laughs> and, you know, part of freedom to me is tuning out the noise. I mean, we homeschool yep. our four kids. We basically unschool our four kids. And there are people in our family, I was told that, that want other members to just cut us off because they think we're weird and all this stuff, right? Mm. And it's so funny. Well, what about the socialization? Well, my daughter's 16. She has a job at a coffee shop. She wanted to get a job. Yep. They just told her they're going to make her manager to surpass 25 and 30-year-olds. Now, she's 16 and every single day has to deal with dozens 
I don't know, tens of dozens or whatever of people every day. She's learning actual interaction instead of learning to sit at a desk, shut up. And if you can't shut up and listen to the teacher, we're going to put you on drugs and say you have a disorder. And so then you're going to go out and decide not trusting anyone, not trust, you know, and it's like, I'm not saying, the point of what I'm saying is not don't send your kid to school. It's what's right for you and your family who yep. cares what your mom says, your dad says, your whoever says? Who cares what your Facebook friends say? Not caring what other people think of you is a superpower. And it's the ability to operate within yourself and find your true self and be truly free. That's a foundation of it. Yeah. No, it, uh, well, I mean, we, we could just, we could make an immediate left turn in this conversation right now and talk about the American education system because, <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, but I don't necessarily think we want to do that. But I'll, I will say, uh, when you say you're unschooling your children, uh, my son doing electrical work versus going to college, that's something I'm actually leading right now locally in the district that I live in, working with our school to put careers and skilled trades in front of the college path, not in place of, mm -hmm. but just by saying in front of, saying we are conscripting these 18-year-old children to four years of debt without direction. Yeah. What is wrong with a year? Maybe go be a coffee shop manager. Maybe you discover you really like leading people. Go go be the gopher kid on a construction site. You learn something. And figure out what you like in life. Yeah. But instead, it's just four more years to sit in a desk, sit down, shut up, and do it the way you're told. And, and I say to people, college will education will always be there. They are happy to take your money. We applaud like good little thought monkeys. The people that go back to college at 70 years old. What's that mean? Well, great for them. I'm happy for them. It means they'll always take your damn money. Right, right. So so at least at least be happy and have some guidance and in, in, in excitement about what you want to invest in in that career. Mm -hmm. Right? Instead of taking three years to figure it out, and then you need another two to wrap it up. I, I would just rather see people find it out in a more natural way as opposed to, hey, sit here and pay us money for it. Like I just, I just think that's so evil. And, and what you're talking about isn't just about education or schooling. I think we have a schooling system in America, not an education system. But it goes to something that goes to the heart of freedom and the lack of it. And that's, you know, we come out of the womb with a sense of wonder and excitement. We're a blank state, a slate. We're in the zero state. Mm -hmm. But then what happens? Between age one and seven, we get programmed our entire life, but between one and seven, our brains soak it up like a sponge. We are more programmable than at any time in life. So if you're 45 and you watch Shark Tank and you say, those fat cats, don't they have enough money? That's likely not even you talking. That's likely your parent right. talking or somebody as you were growing up. So we have this sense of wonder and excitement. And then what happens? I mean, I read this story about a kindergarten program in New Jersey that killed off their theater program because it wasn't college and career ready enough. So we start killing off creativity. We start telling kids, mm. no, no, no. Simon Bailey has a speech where he says, by age 17, kids have been told no 150,000 times. So what we're telling them is shut off your creativity, shut off that creative thinking, be completely heavily structured. And by the way, the business community and teachers unions double down on it by saying standardize, 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 standardize. So then these kids get to 16 or 17 and we say, okay, now it's time to go be creative, choose what you want to do with your life. And then it's that. 
And Dr. Peter Gray has a book, a great book called Free to Learn, where he talks about, and this was pre-pandemic. It's gotten worse now. These kids, 16, 17, 18, suicide, depression is on the rise because they have this loss of sense of control where everything has been structured. Not just school, but this feeling that you got to be in eight extracurriculars and you got to be in it. And then you got to go do this and you got to go do that. Everything's structured to get into the best high school and the better college. So you got to get to 17. They don't know how to think. We haven't taught them how to creatively think. We've taught them how to be standardized robots. So what you're allowing your son to do is to decide, no, I want to do this. This is what I really want to do with my life. And this manifests. I coach people in their 40s and 50s and I ask them, what do you want your life to be like? They can clearly describe their prison, what it looks like inside the prison. But you know, there's a lot of uh, prisoners who get out, they get released and want to go right back in. Because the uncertainty of freedom, they've never defined what they want, is yep. more dangerous and painful to them than the three square meals a day with the roof over their head. Well, there's people in their 40s or 50s who are so afraid because of their subconscious underlying beliefs that they've had since they were one or two that they don't even want to be free. And that goes to those beliefs. Yeah. If you don't clear out those underlying beliefs, the actions don't matter. You're gonna. You're just gonna keep. It's why the gyms are full January first and empty by the end of the month. You know, yep. that people just focus on the actions without going to the foundation of the home. Yeah, the, the yeah, and that commitment to habit and the habit of focusing on what you want, what your success defined looks like and feels like, and what it means for those around you. That's where so many people, like you said, are they're just afraid of it. Absolutely, because. They've been told like uh, that that number, what was it? 150,000 times by the age of five? By the age of 17. By the age of 17. Okay. Still big number. That's a lot. Um, yeah. 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 It really is. So you've got Freedom Media Network and you're you're big on the idea and the concept of freedom. Uh, within those, you, you kind of lay out four buckets of business, health, spirituality. And then the one I want to really dig into, because I think you and I are both very like-minded is on the idea of freedom of thought. Mm, yeah. We talked about this a little bit in the pre-show of, you know, being able to question things and being able to ask, ask for clarification, ask for why is this the way we've done it and why can't we maybe explore it a different way? So for you, like why, first of all, what's in you to fight for freedom in this way? Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting that you say fight for freedom. And, and I was on uh, Josh Steinle, who has the published author podcast. He says, what's one thing you would change about your book? So I wrote a book, uh, I don't know, three, three years ago or so called Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And without hesitation, I said, I use the word fight too much in my book. Mm. And I would replace it with allow. Because a lot of the conditioning mm. we have is we're flowing down the river. And there's some boulders in the river. Those boulders are life's challenges. And if you watch all the motivational personal development porn out there, they would have you seek out the boulders, go up to them and start punching them until you're bloody. And when you're so bloody and tired, even if it's not working or moving the boulder, they say, well, pay me more money and I'll motivate you more. So you keep punching the boulder. Meanwhile, what I've learned to do and what I teach people to do is just flow to the left or flow to the right around the boulder. And this goes back to what we talked about before, the beliefs that you have to struggle, that you have to to chase the chaos, flow around it. Now that requires you kind of knowing where you want to go. But when you allow yourself to get in the flow of life, instead of purposely swimming against the current, when you don't have to, there are times when you have to, but most of the time you don't have to. This doesn't take away from anyone who has struggled, but you don't have to seek it out. There's a difference between effort and struggle. 
So uh, with that freedom, why do I feel that need is because there has always been a burning desire that there has to be more. And the more I read, and I read different spiritual traditions, you know, you read the foundations of Buddhism, which I'm going to paraphrase and in, in, in some people who, who are dogmatic are going to say, that's not what, you know, it's basically that we cause life's suffering through the endless striving and anxiety for the future. We talked about this earlier, not living in the present. We create our own suffering. Now, the path to do it isn't fighting more. It's not hustling and grinding. Now, you can do that spontaneously, but when you do it all the time, that's the reason why today we don't live in caves. We don't have these massive beasts chasing us around, right? Uh, we don't have saber-toothed tigers chasing us. And yet we're more stressed than we were back then. Why? Because we're in a constant state of fight or flight thanks to screens, thanks to the BS of social media, thanks to people making a lot of money. It's harder for me to make money. Why? Because I tell people to relax into their power instead of fight. And, you know, I, I box for five years. I've done some martial arts. One of the nice. keys there is don't get angry. Don't get angry before you get in the... Because when that bell goes off, just the bell going off and you have the realization that someone's going to come and try to punch you, your adrenaline's through. If you get pumped up, then it's up here. You're less effective. You're a worse yep. fighter. There are martial arts where you can defeat your opponent without throwing a punch. You use their energy against them. You get in that state of flow. And so yep. really getting to that state where we're not, you don't wake up and you just have that constant state, no matter how much money you make, no matter what happens, no matter what you get, it's that dog chasing the car and it's like that, now what? When you have that inner sense of contentment, not settling, but contentment, and you mentioned freedom of thought, it's easy in these days to attach the word freedom to politics, to attach the word freedom to policy, to attach the word freedom to other people infringing. You know, a lot of people say, well, with freedom comes responsibility. And what I often find is those people are just looking for someone else to blame. When you bring up freedom of thought, I think of Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Viktor Frankl found freedom in a concentration camp. He found freedom in a concentration camp. You should be able to be free no matter where you are and what circumstance you are in. It starts up here. And it's not even your brain, yep. it's your mind. And we could, we could do a whole show on why your mind's yep. not actually in here. Um, but that's where it starts. And no one, if you can let people take away, oh, they're censoring me, they're this. No one can take away your thoughts. And right. your thoughts are a good indicator that your beliefs are wrong. And if you keep thinking, thinking the same thoughts, it's because your beliefs are fueling you in this river eddy. You get caught in this vortex and can't get out. And you only focus on the actions. Nope. Until you get those beliefs right, you're going to keep going back and forth and you get to take these actions and then you go back and then you do something for a week and say, I'm not worthy. It's not working. And then you go back until you clear out those fundamental beliefs. Your thoughts are going to keep stemming from those and reinforcing it in your head. And you're going to be your own slaveholder, your own slave master. So uh, everything goes back to these beliefs and that's where true freedom is found or at yeah. least starts. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, um, it, it amongst listening to some of your shows, I had time to catch uh, Bill Maher, Joe Rogan's recent mm. edition. I don't know if you caught it. But, I've seen um, clips. I want to go back. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm binging on another Joe Rogan uh, podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and um, 
Yeah, I, I just bring it up because he brought up a very, very salient point that touched, like, is very congruent to what you just shared. Like, I am allowed to have my own thoughts. And in me doing so doesn't mean I'm against you. What he revealed is it actually means you moved further away from me. And he went on to say, I don't even really want that divide between us. I want my thoughts to be my own and yours to be your own. And let's just have a conversation about it. Right. And, you know, he didn't say it exactly that way, but that was the essence. And we've just, it just seems like we've lost so much of that. It, it, it transcends more than personal thought. It transcends business because, you know, in, in, my, in my core business that I co-own, we're constantly told what we can and can't do. And the, the people walking through the front doors of my retail establishment, investing in their health through better sleep with us, constantly says otherwise. So yeah. I just say, okay, well, you know, if you feel that way, continue on your way. I'm going to continue on my way and we can still be friends. And if you need help, if you need help with establishing a new vendor relationship, call me. I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, that kind of a thing. And it's just, I really wonder how, and, and maybe you can answer, how do, how do we get to that point where we're at, where it's like, my free thought is such an affront to you. You know, I think I think a lot of it goes back to this notion of identity. And there's a lot of talk about identity politics and people want to identify as this. I don't bring this up to rip on anyone who uses certain pronouns or whatever. But if you go back 2,500 years ago and read the Tao, you read some of these mm-hmm. ancient spiritual texts, they talk about uh, the illusion. The Hindus call it the Maya, which actually could be translated the matrix or matter, right? We create mm-hmm. these identities around us that 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 reside in the ego mind of what we think we should be like. And so you create this reality and it leads to a, a lack of true self-awareness. There's a there's a, a TEDx talk. The name of the book is Insight. Her last name is Yurik, E-U-R-I-C-H. And her first name is Tasha or Trisha. I can't remember. But she reviewed, I think it was 800 research papers, interviewed dozens of people about self-awareness. She found out that 95% of people think they're self-aware. 95%. Only 10 or 15% of people actually are self-aware. And so as you were, you know, it's, it's like the people who are like, I'm for free speech, I'm for free speech, except the people I don't agree with. It's like, you're not very right. self-aware. You know, right. people, who, people who for right. years were, were of a certain political persuasion um, and say, don't listen to the government, don't listen to the government, don't listen to the government, I'm free speech, I'm free speech, I'm free speech. Until it turns into an issue they like, then it's like held in contempt if you don't listen to the government. Uh, ban them from this, that, and the other thing. I don't care no. about it because I just don't care about that, right? And that goes back to not caring and, and, and that. But part of self-awareness is, is also, when you talk about business, I'll regularly write emails. And I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know I'm not self-aware enough in, in some cases. So I'll actually run my emails by other people because we all have right. these blind spots. And we have a beliefs and behaviors workshop and certification program that we do. And part of it is, there's three A's. Awareness, have an awareness of like your behavior style, your communication style, your beliefs, and that of the other person you're dealing with. If it's a sales conversation, it, 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 it entails shutting your mouth and listening to them, right? And it's like, 
What do they want? They'll often tell you what they want, not to mention the fact you're building rapport by listening to someone. Most people are on broadcast. So you have this awareness of yourself and them. Then you step back and they might have a different behavior style than you. They might have different beliefs than you. They might have different thoughts than you. Having an appreciation. That appreciation is where empathy resides. Empathy isn't, Jeff, you believe something differently and I need to convince you. And it's also not you telling me what you believe and me somehow being converted. It's exactly what you discussed. We both have the. And then the third is alignment. You know, aligning my behavior style to yours, not my beliefs to yours, but instead of reacting to you, just aligning and saying, oh, that's an interesting thought, Jeff. I never thought of it that way. Thank you. I don't have to disagree. Yeah. I don't have to fight you on it. Right. And so those three A's and, and having that awareness and, and self-awareness can really help in relationships and sales in just in just when you start spinning out of control, you can also almost act like a third party observer and say, whoa, that's my calculating behavior style reacting. That's not me. You kind of separate yourself and you take away its power. Right. And so then you move forward in, by responding instead of just constantly reacting. That stresses you out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that constant state of reaction. I mean, isn't that isn't that a indicative of the time we're in, the constraints? you know, societally, culturally being put around most people. You know, you've mm-hmm. talked about screens being uh, probably one of the number one issues of our time, right? Social media, digital media, constant connection. Uh, you, you touched on which which culture was it that, that Maya Matrix, which one was that? Hindu? Well, it may was, Maya is Hindu, yeah. 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 You know, so like we're we're almost living in a time where these constraints get put around us. And it's really, if you really watch it and look at it, the, the, the end goal of the constraint is constant control and really negativity. That's what rises to the top of your, of most people's social media feeds. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. If you allow it, you know, I have taken for the last year or so, a very proactive approach to celebrating success with people like you and other guests on the show and other connections that I've made in life. And I think if we, as a group of people, don't focus on that intentionally, was it your show or another show? I forget, but uh, somebody mentioned, I think by 2032, which is 10 years from now, maybe a little sooner, a little later, we will live in a time in which man and machine will be one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the singularity. Right. And... So when you look at it through the lens of social media and, and, and media control is creating this negative environment, I don't know that I want, you know, AI man, machine created by man to merge as one and then bring us down even more so. I think that's really yeah. a dangerous place to go. And that's why I just love what you're about with, you know, the freedom of thought and living this lifestyle of true freedom across everything. Yeah, you know the the we're 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 kind of already in that singularity, right? I mean, people give up their power all the time to reaction. Mm. Um, you know, I was in politics for years. I I yeah, helped manage tier one Senate campaigns. I did lobbyists, and you know what my job was? Getting people to react. One of the things that I noticed over over years in politics and political campaigns was that everyone complains about negative advertising. I'm so sick of the negative advertising. You know, the thing is, it works. They vote for the people that use it. Fear and anger 
motivates people more than, hey, everything's wonderful right now. Everything is just wonderful. Right. And and that's a sad state of affairs when you can get people to react and that's what they vote on. You know, people, people when they are scared, get in defensive mode, fight or flight. What happens? Fight or flight. I'm going to fight that candidate because this candidate scared me against that candidate. One of the reasons I shut down my agency was because of that. You know, I worked for a lot of industries that I just, I was sick of poisoning people. That's a personal belief that I have. Um, and, and it was coinciding with some important health changes I was making. And I'm promoting things that don't work for me. I, I just can't do this anymore. But right. I could, you know, our whole thing is we could get people to take any issue and blame it on Obama. We could take people that did any issue and blame it on three presidents ago. Whatever it is, it could have nothing to do with that person. It could be a local issue. And we knew how to push people's buttons. And so people are mm. already walking around like zombies, right? I mean, you see it, people. I mean, I have relatives who at three in the morning are sharing these, these articles and with all caps and, and typos. They haven't even read the article. Sometimes they'll share an article that is counter to what they think because they thought the headline went along with what they right. think. So we're not even in control of our thoughts in many cases. That singularity is already here. That's why with the metaverse, it's not good or bad. But when we are already in a state where we're in this illusion, the Matrix was a documentary. It absolutely Matrix Maya. It's the same word. We create this illusion. Right. This, this, you know, it, it could be very small with your ego mind. Or it could be this illusion that you have on social media where you just sit there and you stare at the screen and you stare at the screen and other people are telling you what to think. When you withdraw and you shut it down and you create more than you consume on like a 90 to 10 basis, then you start having self-awareness. Then you're able to use these things as tools instead of being abused by them. And so, yeah, officially the singularity, you know, whatever, 2028 to 2032. But I would argue for the vast majority of our population, it's already here. Yeah, yeah. Because like you said, the <laughs> publish headline, all caps, submit, and the zombies snap up and they're going, yeah, this conforms to my thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm guilty of it. And then I got to draw yeah. back. I'm like, what was that? Why did I write that comment? What, yeah. what the hell? And, and when, when you could step back and look at yourself and be like, Dude, just take a chill pill. What? You, just go. It, it just you know. And so, um, but when we don't do that, we're reacting and, and our subconscious yeah. because it's so buried. The car's on autopilot. We want to turn right, but it keeps going. And it's like, wait, who's controlling the car? Ninety-five percent of your cognition is your subconscious. Only five percent is your conscious. So if you're like, mm. I want to make this change, I'm motivated. That's your conscious. Well, ninety-five percent kind of beats five percent until you get into that Ever subconscious done. area. And, and start clearing, shifting, first identifying, it's a losing battle. Yeah. So it's obvious you, uh, you read a lot. I mean, I think, <laughs> you know, you've, you've rattled off four or five books. There, there was a great book that I read. I keep going back to it. Uh, Richard Koch, Suicide of the West. Mm. I don't know if you've ever read it. I haven't. I've heard the title. I did, I'm not his name though. I, but yeah. I think you would get down on it. You would, you would really like it. Uh, one of the core, there's, he identifies six, six things that bring down uh, Western, you know, Western society, civilization, uh, one of them being cynicism. And it kind of mm -hmm. touches on, you know, well, this narrative fits me and I can immediately dismiss everything um, because it just fits. And I'm, I'm, 
completely cynical about anything else that could possibly come in and pierce this little bubble I've now created. Um, that's the one that sticks out the most to me for the times that we're in. And I think, again, I mean, I think it transcends more than your own personal beliefs. These are, these are, uh, dangerous, slippery slopes that we're on as business leaders, as family leaders. You know, we need, we need to be, I, I love your idea of being more self-aware, uh, for sure. I yeah. think that's a big takeaway from our time here, uh, for sure. Um, so we're going to make a, like a little left turn. Um, you did this year long trip, mm. right? Yeah. With the family. Yeah. So talk about that in a minivan, no less. Here I thought it was like an RV, but yeah, uh, we you, you did the minivan Airbnb thing. Tell us about that. Because that's it, like life and business on your terms for sure. Yeah, you know, t- 2020 was an interesting year in many regards. And we just didn't like the way... We didn't like the way most governments handled it. Uh, but as we were living in Charleston, South Carolina, and I, I didn't like the way they were they were doing some things. And and there were some other things going on that summer where the, the, the city was attempted to be burned down and no one seemed to do anything about it. And I said, you know what? We're out of here. And And, and as the lead up to that, and this 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 goes to something that that was suicide of the West, and us thinking, you know, uh, kind of closed off beliefs to others. I think it's so important, especially for Americans, and we don't do it nearly as much as other cultures as other other countries do. Is traveling around the world. It really opens up your mind. It's so interesting that when we travel to Europe, so we were traveling to Europe. We went to Italy, France. I went to Egypt. Uh, my best friend lives in New Zealand. We were going to go there until everything shut down. Um, we, Italy, my family is originally from Italy. Um, and yep. it's funny when we were traveling over there, we had relatives who said, oh my gosh, be careful. Be careful. There's terrorists everywhere. I'm like, what? And then we go over there and they're like, oh my gosh, you grew up near Chicago. Was it dangerous? Were you dodging bullets? Right. We're all programmed to believe things until you actually go there and see how they live. I was right. getting on the plane to go to Egypt and I'm like nervous, like, oh my gosh, it's a different culture. What's going to happen? It was incredible. You open up your mind and realize the stuff that we're being fed is BS. And in America, you know, in New Zealand, it's such a small country out of the way that you talked about um, kind of giving yourself time instead of going to college. They take a gap year. In Europe, they take a gap year. We're conditioned to think they're so lazy. What are they doing? They should go directly to college. They take a year and have fun and figure out where they want to go with life. So we couldn't do that combined with some things that were going on. So I said, we're out of here. I didn't just say it. My wife's like, yeah, we're out of here. Um, and so we had a 4,000 square foot home on the water in South Carolina. We sold it. And we took all of our stuff, anything that didn't fit in the minivan or for the first like, what, two months in the back of my hatchback Mini Cooper, which isn't much, or right. a literally five foot by five foot storage space, we donated or sold on Facebook Marketplace. It felt wonderful. We had... Uh, newlyweds who were in their 20s coming and buying these nice leather couches and dining room for like nothing. It felt right. great that we were doing this and we hit the road and we we traveled around. We couldn't travel to other places. So we said, you know what? We haven't been to most places in America. We went to the mountains, the beaches, the deserts. Uh, we came here in Sedona knowing nothing about it and we've fallen in love with it. So we're here for at least a year. So that's kind of the story behind it. And it, and it, it was really opening things up, but also when I talked about simplicity and prosperity, 
stripping it down and getting rid of this programming that we need to have our own stuff hanging on the walls. I mean, I, I do behind me now, but right. it ain't much. We furnished our entire current house from Goodwill and Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. And, and you know what? If something happened to it, I don't care. This couch costs 50 bucks. Like, I don't care. I'm not attached to it. I'm attached no. to other things in my fa- that are healthier and true meaning. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I read a story of somebody else doing something very similar. They just got tired of the grind and they realized every weekend, you know, their typical nine to five or Monday through Friday couple, every weekend, they're going to Home Depot and Lowe's and Target and spending a hundred to five hundred dollars just to pretty up their house. Yeah. I mean, that's the opposite of freedom to me. I mean, like personally, like my idea of grass is scorched earth and like make it plastic and just like don't have to mow it. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to weed it. You know, and I'm, you know, I, that might be offensive to you as, uh, you know, <laughs> to no. say plastic grass, but, you know, th- like I comically joke about it because my idea of freedom is not having a well manicured lawn, right? To impress somebody that I don't even know. There's plenty of people not- here with it being the desert that have the plastic grass because yeah. it, it, they don't want to, they don't want to spend a fortune or spray chemicals everywhere to grow it. Right. We have right. rocks in the front. Uh, you know, it's desert and it's Southwestern and it's great. I mean, the weeds are going to die soon. We don't even have to do anything with them. And here in the desert, we have these things. They're called javelina. They kind of look like wild hogs, but they're not. I know um, yep. And we looked out our window the other day and some of them, we think they're cute. Some people think they're not cute. We woke up and there was a family with these little baby javelina that were so cute. I posted uh, on Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, Kurt.Mercadante, there's a reel there and you can see them. And we're standing outside looking at these things. And they're eating our bushes. I, I don't care. And they're so right. fun. All of a sudden, our neighbor runs out and so has to chase him away because they were eating some leaves on his bushes. And it's like, yeah, this guy was probably celebrating Earth Day too. It's easy to put yeah. out a sign and say you care about the Earth. But then it's like, are you so attached to your bushes? We just loved. Yeah, yeah you see him there on the screen. Look at those little baby javelina. Yep. We loved it. Yep. It was nature. It's the beauty of nature. But some people here moved to the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places on Earth. And just want to sit inside, stare at a TV, and just look at a background of the outdoors. You know, right. they're so attached to that. They're so, and so when you give up those attachments, you're better able to. to that leads to what we talked about earlier, which is that suffering. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I took actually just before our show. I was uh, I, we have we have two dogs, uh, so I let them out. You know, uh, s- separate them. Not that they have problems. It just. Makes it easier for podcasting. So there's no interruptions, <laughs> right. right? Absolutely. But I let the dog out and I look to my left and there's uh, a cardinal. Uh, well, this left. It's, I did it wrong. This left. Um, <laughs> look to my left and there's this beautiful red cardinal on the fence. You know, and I just took it in and then I look up and oh, there's a bird nest on the top of our pergola that we built in 20, in the spring of 2020 as a family. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. I'm like, let me fill the bird feeder up and see if I can see more of this later today because one of the things i like to do tuesday afternoons is take some time off thinking they call it my scheming time i'll sit on the back deck and i smoke a cigar so hopefully they won't get too offended by the cigar smoke but there'll be a bunch of birds around yeah i mean you have to take this stuff in you have to Mm -hmm. you know so maybe maybe as we approach the top of the hour you can share uh like what your scheming routine is and things that you do to unplug and what others call um 
uh, geez, right off the top of my head. Um, but they're like planting time, thinking time, yeah, reinvigoration time. Uh, but real quick, so what did your family? We'll get to that. What did your family think of this trip that you did? They loved it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. My wife was all in on it. I mean, and it wasn't just my idea. She was like, "Yeah, let's do it." Um, and, what was the biggest uh, takeaway for your kids? You know, I think just seeing new things that they had never seen. You know, yeah. going up in the mountains, we've never been in the desert before. Uh, we were at the beaches. They got to see there's a lot of different cultures in the U.S. You know, even, mm-hmm. we talk about that, you know, the closed off mentality of other countries. But what we find is like, you know, we have some people who are so, uh, I think we were talking about this before we even got on, that everything has become a religion to be politics and this and that. And we have some relatives, it's like we're traveling through the South and they're like, oh my gosh, the South. You know, because to them, politics is a religion. So if you happen to live in a state that voted a certain way, they're all evil. Well, I don't want my kids to be programmed with that. There's different right. cultures. You know, right. I could say the same thing. My entire family lives in Chicago. There's certainly enough to say about that. It's just a different culture <laughs> and a different way of living, you know? And, yeah. and here within the U.S., we have these microcultures that are so striking. And so to have my kids experiencing those... um, is is just fabulous. I mean, we're we we just discovered Mexico's open. We're gonna drive down to Mexico and go down there. I've never been to Mexico before. My kids are going, oh my gosh. And so uh yeah, it's just a different, you know, flagstaff here. So we're a desert, it could be pretty hot here. 35 minutes away, it could be 20 degrees, there could be uh, six inches of snow in flagstaff, which is at like between six and eleven thousand feet. And they're like, we've never experienced this before. Just yeah. those little things kind of give you more context of what's going on in the world. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's challenges just like anything else. Like, oh, uh, we, uh, we fell in love with this place. We got to leave. And, you know, but then they, then they love the next place they go to, you know? And so right. um, it, it was a great learning experience. Yeah. 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 I mean, the journey can't always be Instagram worthy. Right. Right. Sometimes yep. the beauty of the journey is, there are letdowns. There is some struggle. There are learning lessons. Uh, that's the beauty of the journey of it all. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Some, some stops are more fantastic than others, and that's okay. But we still made a stop, and we still saw something new. Yeah, and living in the middle of nowhere in like the North Georgia mountains in the winter where there's nothing to do, the kids had to learn, and no internet. Mm. The kids have to learn how to be satisfied with... Some people would say that's actual child abuse nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Um, and it's like, read a book, draw. You know, I'll go into my my son. Our three sons are 8, 11, and 14. And we'll go in there and there's no TV on, no screens. And they're drawing. They have these journals and they just draw and they do all these things. It's like using that creativity. And uh, do do they watch TV? Yeah, but we we limit it. Like it's not during the day and it's not right before bed. Uh, last night we watched Dune, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie. Um, and so, uh, being able to be, to not be bored simply when you don't have a screen to look at is becoming attached and addicted and that can get in the way from being truly free. Yeah. 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 No, I mean the, the way, the way that we allow ourselves to be so attached, kind of like the example I shared of, uh, people going to the, the improvement stores on the weekends. Like, right. We really do permit this, um, this, this reality to hook us in and like, you know, let me mainline more work. 
for right. people that that don't I don't care about that have no effect on my life, but you know, I'm gonna do it anyway. It, it's really a shame. Um it's interesting. Uh you talked about no internet, the mountains with your kids, and like go read a book, go explore, create something, build a fort, do something. And how old are your kids? You said you have 16, 14, and 16, 14, 11, and 8. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you still got some fun ages and the older ones can, you know, if they're, if they're, if you leave them alone long enough, they'll play some of the younger games, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they go, they raise each other, you know, and, and, uh, the younger one sees what the older one's doing and wants. So it's like they each got smarter as they went, you know, cause one read and the other one wants to read in an earlier age. They go to the park. The park's about a, I don't know, half mile, mile. We don't get worried about them walking to the park alone. They walk to the park, they climb, they do the fitness equipment, they run in the football fields, they do all this stuff. Our national yep. forest is two blocks away. I mean, I can see it from, from the window, but there's a little path. Yeah. We go up there, we run up the mountain and and do things that don't involve the screen. And yeah. um, and once you unplug from that, it's it, it's amazing. But at first, like you said, you talked about the main light. You know, you go through some detox, you go through yes. through some uh uh, through some, uh, you know, you're jonesing for it. And yep, that tells absolutely. you something. That tells you something. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, anymore, it's all the same, um, you know, social media, they're paying attention to the same kinds of technology, the colors, the way you interact the, as the people who make the casino games do. Right. Right? It's all the same thing. It's all Absolutely. meant to get you hooked and use more. So speaking of being unplugged, um, I talked about it. Here's the word I was looking for. Renaissance time. Mm. Right. So relax, unplug, plan, scheme, think scheme in a positive way. Um, I use that word kind of tongue in cheek. So what are the things like, what's your routine when it's time yeah. for Kurt to kind of like unplug? Like, how do you dig deep into this, like living out the freedom? I, I try to not scheme. Um, and, uh, Dr. Hulan, who's kind of the modern father of Ho'oponopono, which is something I teach, I'm certified in. And it's about clearing out your beliefs, clearing out the memories, clearing out the programming, clearing out the pain, all that stuff. He said that we either operate from inspiration or memory. And when he says memory, he's talking about the programming we've discussed. He's talking about all that, you know, you wake up in the morning and your mind is full of all these things going hundred miles an hour. And so you never have time to just empty out. And so... I don't have a mindfulness practice. What I actually have is a mindlessness practice. And so that takes a few forms. One is um, I refuse to wake up with an alarm. I think, it's, I think it's damaging to your health and flow with your natural rhythms, which for me, some days is 4.30, some days it's 5.30. Yep. Um, and by the way, if it was 10, that'd be fine too. And I get up and the first thing I do is I sit quietly and meditate. And sometimes if my mind's on fire, I do something called emotional freedom technique, which is kind of uh, uh, acupressure and meditation combined. There's certain tapping points and you tap. And my goal is to clear out the thoughts so that the only thing that is existing right now is me breathing into my belly, up into my chest slowly, not the Wim Hof thing, but slowly and getting to a zero state. And what I find is when I get to that zero state, I don't wake up with anxiety, stress. I'm not in a reactive state to start the day. Then I go, and you know what I do is I make some coffee and I look out at the mountains and I'll just stare at the mountains. And when I'm in that zero state, what I find is inspiration comes to me then. When I try to come up with a great idea, 
Nope. When I, when I try the opposite of relaxing, that's when the inspiration comes to me. My best uh, ideas, they're coming from my subconscious, which makes them in many cases more real. And I listen to those and I write them down. I journal. And that is the time at which I come up with better ways to help my clients. That's the way in which I come up with more prosperous ideas. That's when I am truly present in the morning and when I start present in the morning. Now, some other kind of tools and techniques, I'm going I'm to share something with everyone. This is, this is, a, this is a, a killer hack. You know, Everyone wants a hack. It's called the Freedom App. If you go to freedom.to, freedom.to, I should sign up for the affinity and make money off this, but, <laughs> or the affiliate, Right. I started using the Freedom app several years ago. You know, if you have an if you have an iPhone, right? There's a thing on it where you can like uh, set time limits on certain apps. Right. I think they probably have it on Android. The problem with it is that they make it super easy to ignore. The Freedom app, you can literally go in there and lock down everything. You can lock down specific mm. uh, sites, social media, email, all that stuff for specific time periods or at night. I lock it down from 5 p.m till 9 a.m. the next morning. Even if I'm tempted to go there, I can't. It locks it down across devices. That's something I use to not even be tempted to go and get online and disturb my mindless practice. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really good because I know I have those temptations. It's like, if I'm trying to beat alcohol, why would I put a bourbon bottle in front of me all day? You don't have to struggle. Just get it out of the house. This Freedom app allows you to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. That is very cool. Yeah. I love, I love the aspects of your, well, I love all of your routine. I think it's, you know, it's your routine and I love hearing what people's different ones are. Um, yeah, I specifically like how you kind of just take in nature. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you're Sedona, Arizona. I mean, it's almost like it was touched by that finger of God himself or (laughs) his self or himself. right? Right. And, um, really is pretty cool that you get to take that in. Um, you know, I'll share a story with you. I'm in this, I'm in this mode of like really like honoring my grandparents right now because they are, you know, they are dealing with what they're dealing with in life. And it's a natural part, but I think you'll find the story interesting. My grandfather uh, was a missionary up in Northern Ontario. And he told me a story uh, a long time ago and stuck with me. So they were logging to build, right? And these logs got up, upstream, up, up creek, upstream, the current took them away. So he <laughs> strips down to his underwear because he's got to swim out to start like literally roping these things into the little boat. And it, it just turns into a hot mess. And, you know, in that moment, he said, um, and, and I'm sharing this because you said you, when you get in this zero state, you just take in right? Things come to you. And I think so many people struggle to listen. Now, maybe your listening is just that meditative zero state where things that happened in the last week, the last hour, you're thinking about ahead, kind of come to you and it clicks. Maybe that listening is you're listening to something above you, whomever you believe in, right? Like for my grandfather, that's God. There's no doubt about it. So he he's like in a hot mess. And he said, the problem with our world is we just don't listen enough. And he says, and I've experienced this. So he gets in this boat and he's on his knees and is soaking underwear, freezing cold. And he just says, God, I'm in a mess. 
And, you know, he's, he just took that brief moment of time to just take a deep breath, relax, and just say, I'm in a mess. And he, he says, he heard a voice right over his shoulder, like somebody was in the boat over the shoulder, says, just take the boat against the current. Hmm. And the little 10 horsepower motor worked and worked and worked and eventually got all the logs roped in and everything was fine. But it was, it was just about, and I share that uh, because you, you said you just kind of take it in. And I think we don't listen enough. We're in this, we're, we're like, we're just so strung out. We're, they just flip these nerves, right? And we react. And I think, I think for people to take away from this episode, certainly is just be, be able to listen and hear as opposed to reacting so much. But I just felt yeah. like when you, That's when a you look story. out at nature, I wanted to share that. Yeah. And, and, and it takes some silence and, and like, you know, your grandfather asked, but then he stopped and listened. There's people who pray and beg and then they just keep saying, well, didn't happen now. Uh, what, God, what's wrong with you? You know, and, and there's these things. Oh, if I just had a sign and we all want these signs from God, but then we don't, we don't actually step back and see that they're right in front of us all the time. Yeah. To notice things, you got to shut up. I teach yeah. a sales course. Sales is in the silence. Ask a question and then shut up and listen. These signs are in front of us from people we love, from God, from nature, but we're not aware because we're constantly on broadcast. Yeah, so uh, that's a beautiful story of your grandfather. Yeah, there, on the signs from God, there's a there's a really joke. There's a very good joke, very appropriate joke to it. Guys out in the ocean, his boat capsizes, he's in the water, hanging on to like some plank from the boat. It's like God, please save me, please save me, and. This small little boat comes, but it's crowded. And he's like, no, it's okay. I, I don't want to like capsize your boat. That's what happened to me. They take off. But another boat comes. They see like a f- flicker of his watch. So the big boat comes over. They bullhorn down. Hey, we can pick you up. No, no, God's going to save me. Yeah, so they go on. And then airplane comes over and or helicopter comes over. And it's like right over top. They lower. And like, nope, God's going to save me. He drowns. He gets the pearly case. He's like, God, what, what gives? He said, I sent you a small boat, a big boat, and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and the point being is we just, and again, this isn't to turn this like super religious, but I do believe, my firmest belief on this topic is if you think we are the only thing going on in this rock, on this rock, I think that's one of the selfish things somebody could possibly believe. Yeah, and, I, and this isn't religious, it's spiritual. And mm-hmm. I know atheists who are more spiritual than some of the deeply religious people I know because they believe in what you're saying. They just give it a different name, right. you know? And, and, and understanding that also gets you, I think that's a big part of freedom where you're, you're, you know that you, you're not just a victim of reality happening to you. You're an active participant in the creation of reality. And if you truly believe, and it's it's funny, some people will re- reflexively come back and say, you know, I'll use the term divine creator. And I know atheists who who believe in a divine. They call it the universe, right? And I'll have people come back and say, but I'm not God. I'm not God. And it's like, right. But, and that person happens to be Catholic. I'm like, but you believe that you were made in God's image, right? He said, yeah. I said, so you are a divine creator. And they're like, oh, yeah. We have these reflexive reactions. Again, it's back reactivity based on dogma or some of the programming. And when you mm-hmm. sit back and realize, I am a creator. Wow. 
Like this beard, from something as simple as this beard to the creation of another human being, to us growing a plant, to building a business, to taking an idea and manifesting it as something, a new product, a new whatever it is, that's all creation. And if you just think that you're just a victim of things coming at you and you're not an active participant in it, that is a belief that I don't care how much, how many actions you take. You know, I don't care all of those actions and you're just focusing on your thoughts. If you don't go to the underlying belief and get rid of that belief that that you are not an active creator, then the actions in the world, all of them aren't going to matter because your beliefs feel your actions or your beliefs feel your thoughts. We attach emotions to those thoughts and reinforce them. Those together fuel your results. If you don't like the results, and most people, I call it, I did a post today, I call it motivational masturbation. It's people who only focus on the actions. And they. what happens is they, they feel really good by reading the personal development porn. Like you said, I read a lot of books. I've written books. So do you. But there's people who, once they realize that they have this gap of freedom and this gap of fulfillment, and they, they aren't even taking the actions, or they are, they're not getting it. They just go back to the books because they don't like their life during the day, but they're, oh my gosh, I have this book by the motivational guru and this video I'm going to watch tonight, and that makes me feel good, and it gives you some pleasure. But then you go back tomorrow, and you're back at the same place. What do you need? I need to yeah. fill that gap with more porn, the, the personal development porn. And so then, but if you don't clear out those underlying beliefs, you're going to continue to get what you all always got. It'll be more frustrating because you'll be aware then. And then you'll you'll spin your wheels because you're taking some actions and not getting into the right place. So go back to the source. Go back to the beliefs. Fix them first. Because if you don't, your thoughts and your actions are going to be the same ones you always got. And you're going to get the same results that you're getting now, even if you don't like them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. I think, you know, I we didn't discuss time, but I always advertise to my guests, this is about an hour long show. And I failed to ask you what you had going on, but I think it's a, on that note, kind of a great time to wrap up our time together. Um, so you do some very cool things. I was on your, spent some time on your site this last week. Uh, it's probably too late now, um, but you've actually got something very cool coming up in Sedona, May 1st to the 3rd. Yes. So yeah. talk about that briefly. And, and you know, maybe people who listen to this, pick it up later, can hit your site back up and look for future dates. But talk about that retreat, because I, yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Well, I'm I'm looking at the scrolling on the screen of my website and I need to update it because I just finished some events uh, that we're not going to hold again this year. Uh, but if you go to freedommedianetwork.com, uh, there's some freedom experiences there. But yeah, we have our freedom retreat coming up. It's a small group men's retreat. It's about mindlessness. It's about escaping the hustle and grind. It's about relaxing into your power. We're going to hike. We're going to learn how to breathe. Yes, something so simple as that. We all breathe wrong. Most of us do. How to breathe. Um, we're going to learn some modalities uh, in terms of techniques that you can have to become mindless during the day. Get into that relaxation where your true power lies. That's going to be over the course of four days. And then coming up in September, September 15th and 16th, it's a hybrid event. So you do it live. Uh, you do it virtual. It's, it's all live. You do it virtually or join me here in Sedona. And it's a beliefs and behaviors workshop where we've talked about a lot of those things today about helping you shift those beliefs. Because I don't care if you have all the tools and the tactics and you know how to sell and you have your scripts and you have all this stuff. If you don't have that belief 
in yourself, if you don't have that self-love belief, if you don't have that belief that you're an authority, if you don't have that belief that you offer positive impact in the world, then how can you communicate with confidence? How can you keep yourself undervaluing yourself with your clients? How can you keep yourself from when you want to put content out there? You say, no one wants to hear from me, right? And so it all goes back to belief. We all focus on the actions only. I've been there. And we do that to our detriment and we spin our wheels. So so that's what that event is all about. The, the beliefs and behaviors, September 15th and 16th. So really yeah. excited about these. We got we got a great group of people already signing up. Well, our retreats next week, uh, but the, for, right. for that workshop as well. Yeah, very cool. Well, I mean, I love what you said. I'll, I'll repeat it. I, and, you know, my thing here is perfectly okay to do life and business on your terms, but I mm-hmm. really love yours and it's your thing, but I'm going to repeat it perfectly okay to be an active participant in your own reality right yeah. go out there and do it i love i love that statement love it thank you because so many of you like you like you said you had 150,000 times you were told no to the age of 17 go be that participant in your own reality love it kurt this has been a pleasure man jeff the pleasure really has been mine. yeah absolutely really definitely me too my pleasure yeah. all right well uh, we'll see you next week on the show. Thanks for tuning in to uh, this episode of Big Thing in Life with Kurt Mercadante. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.